Game day here on Gamecock Central Radio. Emerson Phillips with Chris Clark and Wes Mitchell. Glad to have you along today. We're going to talk Louisiana Tech. we got a 3.30 kickoff today at Williams-Brice, and the game will be on the SEC Network. We're taking your phone calls today on the Gamecock Central Hotline. Again, that number, 803-497-9058. Wes, Chris, how y'all doing today? Good, man. Um, I, I guess uh, hoping that for everybody listening that the – the hangover is over because I know from our message boards, guys, it seemed like a a long, uh, filthy, blinding light type hangover. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a tough one for folks. Really disappointing result for Gamecock fans last week, for sure. And you know the staff and players, everybody involved had to be disappointed as well. But it is important that the team moves on. And really fortunate, I think, guys, that South Carolina was able to start the season with a couple wins. The Missouri one doesn't look as valuable anymore. It doesn't look like it's worth a great deal other than it is a conference win. But the Missouri team's not a good one. I think we've, we've quickly found out. Uh, but USC did, did win a couple of those games early, which I think is, is now a bigger key going forward, given that they dropped that first game against Kentucky. So the blackout Saturday night last weekend was followed by Black Monday here in Columbia, fellas. I spent uh, much of Monday afternoon listening to the radio here in Columbia, and there were a lot of hacked-off Gamecock fans calling into uh, the flagship station of the Gamecock radio network, a lot of people venting, not only lamenting the performance of the team on Saturday, but some problems at the stadium as well that we talked about earlier this week here on Gamecock Central Radio. So, uh, you know, now that we've had a week to kind of absorb what happened last Saturday night, where do you feel like this team is, uh, Wes? And, you know, I've got concerns about this Louisiana Tech game today. I I feel like the Gamecocks, you know, we're going to get a measuring stick of what kind of team this 2017 Gamecock football team is. I think, uh, you know, the Gamecocks are emotionally vulnerable right now. And uh, we're going to talk about that as we move through. But, Wes, talk about the week and and what did we learn from the Kentucky game? Yeah, you know, Emerson, I I think, um, and fittingly, since South Carolina is playing a Skip Holtz team, I kind of started thinking about an old Lou Holtz saying, and that's kind of that a team is generally not as good as you think they are when they're winning and not as bad as you think they are when they lose. So, you know, South Carolina clearly not near as good as, as maybe we thought they might be when they started 2-0. and They were underdogs in both of those games. They found a way to win away from home. E- easy to get caught up at that point. I'm as guilty as anybody, but probably not as bad as anybody feels like they are uh, today going into this La Tech game. But – like you said, this this is a a tough test for South Carolina. It, it's you know a three thirty kick. The fan base probably not going to be near as excited. Every single seat's not going to be filled like it was last Saturday. So this this is a game where you know we we do our keys to victory every week. And my my thought process to that is that the biggest key for South Carolina more involves the mental side of this thing and just not looking at that La Tech across the jersey and, and say it, this is a team that could easily beat South Carolina if South Carolina doesn't do the things that they did the first two weeks and instead makes a lot of the mistakes in execution that they made last week against Kentucky. Yep, and, and certainly, guys, um, I think this is going to be a, a scenario in which uh, it's my belief that the coaching staff all of this week – is is really going to have harped on the fact that look, you know, Kentucky came in here, and I, I still am not convinced Kentucky, even though they're three and zero, is a really really good football team. Maybe they're a little better than we think, but um, 
I still think South Carolina lost to a football team that, that they should not have lost to. And so I'm sure the mistakes have been pointed out. There's been an emphasis on correcting those and playing a lot cleaner. But I'm, I'm positive there's been a big emphasis on, like you said, Wes, taking this opponent very seriously, even though it's a home game in which South Carolina is favored. Uh, that was the scenario last week. And so they're going to have to play a cleaner game. They're going to be down uh, a couple guys at least in this in this contest and so uh, it's a team that offensively can give you trouble because of what they do and defensively they have you know a future nfl guy on their defensive line uh, that's going to give the potential to, uh, tackles could get some problems there so it's going to be a difficult challenge a difficult matchup and one that they're going to have to take seriously i'm sure there's been a big emphasis on that as well as just cleaning up some of the things that they need to clean up Fellas, the Gamecocks come in a nine-and-a-half-point favorite right now against Louisiana Tech. And we could go over this uh, Kentucky game with a fine-tooth comb, but I think that's pretty well been hashed out at this point. So let's turn our attention to Louisiana Tech. A couple of angles on this ball game that we need to talk about today. Number one is it's Skip Holtz's return to Columbia. You know, I think that's a real story. I think Louisiana Tech is a quality program that you know a lot of folks in our area – may not realize exactly how good Louisiana Tech is. They've won nine ball games three consecutive years. They won their division in Conference USA last year, played in the CUSA Championship game, beat Navy in the Armed Forces Bowl last year, finished 9-5, and five, and they had a record-setting offense last year. But they lost some key players. Their quarterback's gone. A couple of their outstanding receivers from last year are gone. So they're working in some new players this year, but it's still a 2-1 and one football team, only loss coming at Mississippi State. We found out last weekend how good Mississippi State is this year when the Bulldogs trounced uh, LSU. So let's start with Skip Holtz returning to Columbia. You know, I've maintained all week and really all off season that uh, this game means a little something extra to Skip Holtz. I think he'd like to come into Columbia and beat the Gamecocks at Williams-Brice. He was in position, a lot of people thought, to become the head coach at South Carolina after Lou Holtz stepped down. That did not work out. And I wonder if, you know, Skip has still got some, I wouldn't say ill feelings, but, you know, maybe maybe he's disappointed to this day that things didn't work out for him in Columbia the way that he would have liked. Chris, what do you think? Well, yeah, sure. And, I mean, I, I think what Skip said about it yesterday during his media opportunities essentially was – you know, that, that he was understanding and it's not something where you're going to, you know, carry carry that weight around forever. But certainly, I mean, when that opportunity uh, was there back in the day, it, it was something that he would have liked to do. And as you said, Emerson just didn't work out. But sure, I mean, this is a place that he, he spent some time. And uh, this is definitely a game that I'm sure he would like to win. He would like to come in and, and notch a victory at Williams-Brice Stadium, as you said. But you know, I think there's it's definitely an interesting story, uh, but I still think when we think in terms of the football game, it's going to come down to who plays better. I mean, that's that's really going to be the bottom line. And so, I think you know whether it's Skip Holt's motivation or if it's this Gamecock team's motivation to come out and have a have a better showing than it did last week and get the season back on track. Um, it's really just going to come down who to who plays the cleanest game, who who plays the most efficient football and scores points and stops the other team. And guys, I, I thought it was interesting, um, Emerson, that he 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 commented on on everything. You know, he didn't play the "I ah, we're not going to talk about that" card. He didn't play the uh, you know this is just about the football game card. He you know went into depth about um, why he went to South Carolina, about why it you know about what the behind the scenes 
conversations were about uh, to an extent why it didn't work out at South Carolina. And so, you know, these are all things that a lot of times it seems like coaches uh, are going to kind of gloss over or just move along past. But Skip uh, went into great detail. And I I think you're right, Emerson. Whether he has a true reason to be mad or not, I mean, it would have been hard for South Carolina to hire Skip Holtz um, given how it played out, especially considering – who they got, Steve Spurrier, but, um, you know, in anything you can do as a competitor to give yourself a mental edge and to motivate yourself for a particular game and to possibly even rub off and motivate your team and tell them, hey, guys, th- this one means a little more to me. Um, you know, I, I think if you're if you're a coach, a competitor, you, you use anything you can for, for motivation going into these big games. Yeah, and maybe, you know, I'm reading a little too much into this, and this is kind of a media angle. You know, I think a lot of folks in the media like to talk about past relationships and how, you know, this may mean more to Skip Holtz. You know, the players in today's game were in grade school when Skip Holtz was in South Carolina, so or kindergarten maybe, you know, so uh, it probably won't be a factor for the players. But I wonder if in the back of his mind, you know, Skip Holtz is thinking, well, it sure would be nice to go back to Columbia and beat these guys. So I have to believe that's his mindset coming in. How that will affect the game, I really don't know. But it's definitely an interesting talking point for this uh, matchup today. And part of the reasons that this game is intriguing, in my opinion, 3.30 kickoff, Gamecocks and Louisiana Tech on the SEC Network today. And this is the Gamecock Central Game Day podcast. Emerson Phillips with Chris Clark and Wes Mitchell. Fellas, uh, you know, coming off the Kentucky loss, if the team were healthy, you know, I would I would feel like, all right, the Gamecocks can, you know, get Debo cranked up again today and maybe work Tyson Williams into the running game with Rico Dowdle and A.J. Turner and get Williams some more touches and, and get this offense back on track. But another reason I'm concerned for the Gamecocks today is because of the two key injuries on offense, two major players out today, obviously Debo Samuel. You know, I think that the Kentucky loss was compounded, obviously, by the um, – injury to Debo Samuel and I think that that was just devastating for the fan base and obviously for Debo himself and the football team but you know we talked about it earlier this week Uh, Lattimore went down two years in a row Sky Moore missed last year and now Debo Samuel's out so this is basically the fourth year in what the last eight that the Gamecocks have had to play without their best player it's very frustrating so you know it's one thing to have to bounce back from a loss like the one the Gamecocks had to Kentucky last week but to have to do it without two of your key players on offense starting lineman Zach Bailey out today as well you know I just I just think it's a real challenge for South Carolina today to get the intensity level the emotional level back up when they're not full speed offensively yeah i mean it it is going to be tough because you look at i mean this team struggled against Kentucky and you know will Louisiana Tech be as good up front against Kentucky will they be as athletic in the back end I don't know about that. And, and to a degree, there's a lot that we don't know about this Louisiana Tech team because, frankly, with them being an out-of-conference opponent who's not, you know, an NC State or a Clemson, something like that, we don't follow them as much. We don't really know as much about them, follow them on a day-to-day basis. Um, but we know that this South Carolina team, even with Debo Samuel in the game, struggled offensively in their last ball game. So, uh even if they didn't struggle, it's when you take your top playmaker away, that's going to give you some question marks. Now they've got some capable guys, and a lot of the struggles that they had against Kentucky uh, were tied to a few things that you could sort of point to. One was they weren't able to run the ball effectively, and Will Muschamp says that they're looking at that, so we may see some different schemes. We may see Tyson Williams more, some different things like that. It was also tied to, you know, 
they weren't able to take advantage of short fields. They had uh, penalties um, that were really drive killers, and then they had some turnovers. And so there's some uncharacteristic things of them in that Kentucky game that they're going to have to clean up regardless. But um, they're going to have to have Dreek Davis and Ortre Smith and uh, Chad Terrell and Shy Smith. They're going to have to have some of these other younger guys step up and try to fill that void, and they may have to do some things differently because Debo Samuel was such a weapon and an asset for them. Yeah, and, and Chris, you, you mentioned it earlier. Um, Jalen Ferguson, their talented defensive end, um, I was looking, he's got two sacks, he's blocked a couple of kicks, um, he's got 13 tackles all in just three games, obviously, from a defensive end spot. So you're talking about uh, losing you know, one of your offensive tackles and going to face a guy who's probably not your typical you know, Conference USA defensive end. So I, I think matchup-wise, that's a concern. Like you said, some of these receivers are going to have to step up. Uh, they could potentially be without some guys on defense as well. Uh, you know, I, I think you could see some of these young defensive ends um, get a chance. Maybe Aaron Sterling plays a bit more, uh, you know, because this team is all about kind of, as they talk about a lot, put, putting the next best guy in. It may not even be the next best guy at that position, but you have to get the best 11 on the field. So, uh, you know, I, I think they'll have to do some different things potentially defensively as well. Um and then, like you said, the young receivers. I personally, from what I've heard, I think Ortre Smith will get the start outside there. It'll be his first career start if that follows through. But certainly, I look at him and I look at Randricus Davis um, because they, they lined up Debo Samuel in so many different spots. I think Ortre Smith maybe takes over for Debo uh, in some of those formations where he's lined up outside. And then either Randricus Davis or Shai Smith depending on if it's a two- or three-wide receiver set, you know, I, I think those guys probably play a little bit more in some of those formations where Debo was lined up in the, in the slot because they, they did line him up in, in multiple places so far in the first three games of the year. Yeah, so that's got to be the number one question coming into this Louisiana Tech game today is who's going to make plays for the Gamecocks with Debo Samuel out? It, you know, Debo made big play after big play through the first three games of the season, and without him today – I'm not sure the Gamecocks know who the go-to guy will be. Now, it could be, you know, a committee approach. It could be that the ball gets spread around a little bit more, like you said, Wes, with Ortre Smith or, or Dreek Davis getting more opportunities today. Maybe Shai Smith breaks out today. Uh, maybe Hayden Hurst gets more opportunities today. I felt like Hayden's opportunities were limited because Debo was getting the ball so much through the first three games. So it'll be interesting to see how the game plan changes, play calling, if it's different at all. You know, how much of that will that uh, be attributable to the fact that Debo's out today? Louisiana Tech has had problems defending the tight end. So I feel like, you know, at least on paper, this is an opportunity for Gamecock tight ends to assert themselves today. And with Debo being out, maybe the Gamecocks look to the tight end position a little bit more. Wes, you mentioned that, uh, you know, Casey Crosby has not gotten a lot of chances so far this year. So maybe with Debo out, he'll be on the field more today. Yeah, and I think that's a good point, Emerson. I think we probably see Casey used a bit more like he was used last year uh, compared to how he's been used so far this year. You know, last year when they went to the slot, um, he was on the field a, a lot, and uh, not to make a rhyme. But, you know, I, I think with the emergence of Shai Smith, we started to see more true three wide receiver sets at times where last year it would have been two tight ends. But, but Casey Crosby is one of those tight ends. And a lot of times, you know, Casey's kind of kind of was a tight end in name, but – Stature-wise, it's not really that much different, you know, having another receiver out there. So I think certainly um, 
you know, he's probably going to be on the field a bit more. He might get more opportunities to catch the football. He had a chance, I thought, what would have been a huge play in this game. Last week, he's wide open on sort of a little out, corner route, um, got in between two defenders, and, and Bentley missed him on uh, one of those first drives of the game. It would have been a big play. So I, I think they probably make a little more concerted effort to get him the ball, to get Hayden Hurst the ball. And, um, you know, and, and then the guy we haven't really talked about, that he won't be on the field more than previously because he's been on the field all year. But Brian Edwards, I think as far as the distribution of passes, uh, certainly look for for Jake Bentley to look at Brian Edwards a bit more, I think. We saw that late in the game against Kentucky when he made that great leaping catch on sort of that little fade um, route in the fourth quarter. So I think, you know, Brian Edwards is a guy that's going to have to go from sort of being that the guy that's sort of the moves the sticks and is a second you know, receiver behind Debo Samuel to being possibly this this team's leading receiver. Yeah, and I think, you know, watching the run game is going to be really intriguing for me in this contest. You know, what do they do differently when they get in those short yardage situations? Well, Muschamp has alluded to the fact that they've got some different things that they're looking at, some different packages. So what will that look like? Um, how much more Tyson Williams will we see? That was, you know, that was one of the biggest storylines from the game, guys, this past week was – why did he not carry the ball? Why did he not get any touches in terms of running it between the tackles or running it outside? And um, I would expect a bigger effort to do that in this contest. Now, a lot of it, as we, as Coach Muschamp explained, was they had run-pass options called, and they just happened to go to passes. And it was at a stretch in the game in which Jake Bentley hit, what, 16 straight passes. So – some decent decisions were obviously being made there, but I do think they need to get the ball to Tyson Williams more because you go from, you know, you've got a, a performance in which he, he looked really good against Missouri. He had, I think, over 70 yards in that game, and that was sandwiched between a couple performances in which, you know, he he didn't carry the ball, and really. And so uh, I think we'll see more of him, and I think getting the running game on track will be big not only in this game, but definitely going forward the remainder of the season. This would be a good week to, to try to get that off and running. Yeah, we got to talk about Tyson Williams a little bit more. No no carries in the first game against NC State. 14 for 78. He was the Gamecock leading rusher at Missouri. Had a big 32-yard run that went down to the one-yard line, set up a Gamecock TD. And you figure after that performance, he's going to be a big part of the Gamecock running game. He was on the field 21 snaps against Kentucky and didn't log a single carry. And, Chris, I thought Muschamp did a really good job of explaining how that worked out. You know, that was obviously not by design. He was on the field plenty. I think uh, Dowdle got 27 snaps, and A.J. Turner was on the field for 11. But Turner got five carries in the 11 snaps he was on the field, and it just worked out with those those option plays that the Gamecocks called that uh, Tyson Williams didn't get a single carry. So I thought Muschamp explained that pretty well, but I still have a hard time fathoming how – you can play an entire 60-minute ball game and not get uh, Tyson Williams a single carry. So certainly Muschamp and the staff have received their fair share of heat for that this week. I thought Muschamp explained it pretty well at his presser on Tuesday. But, boy, the fans are going to be torqued off this week if Tyson Williams doesn't get, you know, 10 or 15 carries at least. Yeah, and I would expect that he'll get more carries. And, again, I think once people found out that explanation, like you said, Emerson, that, hey – we had some RPOs called, plenty of them. He could have very well could have gotten the ball. It's just a read situation. So I think once people found that out, they said, okay. But then they turned to, okay, well, he still should be getting the ball if you have a called run 
you know, Tyson Williams needs to see the ball more. They they go back to those those third down and those fourth down situations and feeling like Tyson should get the ball. And I can understand that. And, and I think um, there's certainly a, a a very good chance that we are going to see him with some more called runs in this game. Do we uh, do we want to go to our uh, Gamecock Central hotline now, Emerson? I, I think that our caller. Andrew had uh, actually some thoughts on this exact subject. Fantastic. Yeah, let's go to the Gamecock Central hotline. If you want to call in and be a part of a future episode of Gamecock Central Radio, just leave us a voicemail on this phone number I'm about to give you, and we will play the recording of your voice on an upcoming edition of Gamecock Central Radio. The number again, 803-497-9058. 497-9058. Let's listen in to Andrew calling in from Cincinnati. Hey, guys. This is Andrew Holler uh, in Cincinnati, big Gamecock fan. I want to ask you guys a question about Tyson Williams. Um, seems to me, from what I saw in the Missouri game, and I didn't see the spring game uh, and how how he did in the spring game, but it seems to me Tyson Williams has really good field vision. It just the way he the way he cuts through the line and the way he sees holes. And I've always heard that, right? Running backs may have great speed, or great power, and and but the ones who have great vision uh, seem to set themselves apart from others. And 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 we saw Marcus. Run and, uh, and and Williams Bryce, and that guy had great field vision. And that's really what set him apart um, from other great running backs. And uh, it looks to me like Tyson Williams has really good field vision, maybe the best that I've seen since Mark Slidemore. So I just want to get your thoughts on that. Obviously, the coaching staff doesn't see the same thing, or maybe they do. Maybe maybe they're just maybe he has to bide his time and and all that. But uh, this seems to me that he he needs to he needs to be the feature back. Uh, in a game coming up soon and see what he can do. It can't get any worse, um, but I uh, just want to get your thoughts on that. Thank you. All right, thanks for the phone call, Andrew. Fellas, you know, Tyson Williams, I'm not sure that he would have helped the Gamecocks win that game last week. Maybe he would have, and I think Gamecock fans would like to have found out if he could have impacted the game more positively for South Carolina. Simple fact is Gamecocks just got beat up front. You know, that was the number one takeaway for me from that Kentucky game is that Carolina got pushed around on the line of scrimmage by Kentucky. Yeah, and I, I think, um, you know, Emerson, with with the call there, I don't know if we're quite – I don't know if I'm quite putting Tyson in the sentence with Lattimore yet. Like, that's that's a mouthful for me. But I, I, I do think you look and uh, you say, okay, this guy – we see what he did against Missouri – and to turn around, and yes, there were RPOs called. Yes, those are dictated by the defense and particular keys within the defense that Jake Bitley's reading. But at the end of the day, do you probably say, okay, he's a good enough player, he showed enough against Missouri that there needs to be a concerted effort to try to get him the football and see what he can do with it? I think that's uh, that's a very valid um, conversation. That's a valid point. I, and I, like Chris said, I, I think we'll see that in the game this week, but, um, you know, let the Lattimore thing, I, I don't know, maybe, but uh, I think that just the opportunity to get him the football is something that probably the coaches in the flow of the game, you know, they're, they're calling plays, calling plays, and you probably maybe don't even realize as the game is going on that it's playing out like that until you have some hindsight to look back and say, you know, oh, crap. 27 never carried the football yeah and, and Emerson made a good point in that you know no matter the running back rotation etc South Carolina's got to play better up front and I think the the most noticeable area in which they've improved is in pass protection I know Wes you, you've touched on that in some of your pieces recently and that 
they've done a pretty good job protecting the passer, whether it's against three or four man rushes or picking up the blitz. They look like they have a much better understanding mentally of those types of things, and they've held up pretty good against it. And they have faced NC State, who's a pretty good front. You know, Kentucky's not going to be a great defensive front. They're not going to be on the level, in my opinion, of NC State. But they have done a good job pass protecting. The run blocking has been a bigger issue, and Kentucky just stonewalled them a few times. There's a lot of different issues, whether it was South Carolina just not getting a big enough push or they let a free rusher through who was able to make the play. Just a lot of different things there. And so that's an area in which they're going to have to clean things up. But, you know, if you can figure out your running back rotation, if you can scheme some things up, those could help. Those could help and those adjustments could help with some of those situations because I don't think this is going to turn from the beginning of the season to the middle or the end of the season into a dominant, you know, run blocking group. But certainly it's an area in which uh, I think there's some room to improve to a degree. Fellas, I don't know if y'all happen to catch uh, Todd Ellis on the radio Thursday in Columbia, but you know, he's a weekly guest Thursday on 107.5 The Game with Brent Johnson and I caught uh, some of his interview on Thursday this week and he said that he wondered if Kentucky was stealing the Gamecocks signals and he talked specifically about the fourth and goal play at the 1-yard line that Kentucky stuffed and you know, got the ball back on downs, key situation in a ball game. Ellis said that Carolina ran a play that they had not run all year. So there couldn't have been a tell. You know, there was nothing that the Gamecocks did in terms of alignment or anything else that could have tipped Kentucky off because it was a play they hadn't run all year. And Kentucky swarmed that running play to the right side and dropped it for about a yard loss on fourth and goal at the one. And Todd Ellis wondered aloud. He said that was the one play specifically that he felt like Kentucky had a some kind of a, a key or some – some insight into what the Gamecocks are running, at least on that play. Maybe there's nothing to that, but I thought that was an interesting observation. Yeah, it is interesting, and I, I don't know. I, I frankly hadn't even thought about that, and I didn't hear him say that. But um, my initial thought is he's probably not just saying that uh, offhand. Like, you know, there that may be floating around or that, that may be something he's heard or uh, there was something – that keyed him in on that thought, I'm, I'm pretty sure. And, and you know, Kentucky did absolutely blow up that play. I mean, you know, it, it did sort of appear as if they were in the South Carolina huddle at the very least, or or either they just had the exact right call on for, for what South Carolina did. But, um, you know, South Carolina actually had two options on that play, um, either the handoff or to shovel it to Hayden Hurst. And it, it looked like Kentucky had pretty much both of those options completely blown up. Yeah, it's, it's all water under the bridge at this point, but I thought that was uh, interesting listening to Todd Ellis on the radio on Thursday. So, fellas, you know, I feel like the two teams are on different emotional levels coming in. The Gamecocks obviously suffered a very disappointing loss in the home opener, a chance to go to 2-0 and in the SEC last week against Kentucky. And, the fan base was fired up. You know, really a tremendous atmosphere at williams Bryce. Carolina got off to a quick start but just couldn't capitalize on Kentucky turnovers, and the Wildcats controlled the line of scrimmage, came back and won the football game. So a disappointing loss for the Gamecocks to fall to 2-1. and one. Meanwhile, Louisiana Tech, they beat Northwestern State in the opener. That's a game they were expected to win. Then they went to Starkville and got blown out, 57-21. to 21. Mississippi State handled them. So Tech went on the road again last weekend and beat a Western Kentucky team that has been a rival of theirs in recent years. And, you know, Tech put together a late drive. Uh, you talked about Jalen Ferguson earlier, the outstanding defensive end for Louisiana Tech. He got a sack. His second sack of the game came on a third down play late in that ball game that got Louisiana Tech the ball back. And Tech's sophomore quarterback, 
Jamar Smith making just his fourth start for the Bulldogs, led a 55-yard drive that set up the game-winning 21-yard field goal with just two seconds left. So they're coming off an emotional win, a road win. I know the atmosphere at Western Kentucky is nothing like what it'll be at Williams-Brice, but I feel like La Tech has got a lot of confidence coming into this game, and I go back to what we talked about at the open of today's game day podcast. Skip Holtz has got to be telling his team, that uh, you know the Gamecocks are vulnerable right now. They lost a lot of confidence losing to Kentucky last week, and Louisiana Tech, I think, has an opportunity to come into Columbia and score a road win over an SEC team. What would that mean for a program like Louisiana Tech? I feel like Tech has nothing to lose today and everything to gain, and that concerns me. Chris? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, this is a non-conference game for them. It's it's against an SEC opponent, and, and so sure. I mean, they, they can – go out and play loose and relax and there's certainly more pressure on South Carolina in this game uh and a lot of that has to do with what happened last week you know uh, you, you've you got to make sure that you keep your focus so that what happened last week didn't doesn't happen again um you know again a lot of last week with Kentucky was it wasn't effort it wasn't that the guys didn't play hard or came out and thought they could just roll over Kentucky I mean, they got off to a good start in that game. They they scored on the first offensive play of the game. They forced two turnovers early in that ball game. Um, they just had uncharacteristic things that they have not done all season on the offensive side of the ball. And just couldn't take some advantage of some opportunities to where they could have gotten off to a great start and almost ended the game before it got started. Instead, you know, they let Kentucky hang around and 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 uh, you know just weren't able to win. So. Uh, whether they weren't handling the moment right or whatever it was. So they have to make sure that they do handle this moment right, and they just got to play a clean game. If they play a clean game, if they don't turn the ball over multiple times, if they can convert on third down, if they can be solid on third down against Louisiana Tech and with that offense that they run, you know, then they'll be in good shape. Um, but it's about taking those things and translating them to the field. Wes, Gamecock problems compounded by the fact that Debo Samuel and Zach Bailey will not play today. You know, again, if, if this team was fully healthy, I feel like they could kind of pick up, you know, where they left off after the Missouri game. But, uh, you know, I'm wondering who's going to make plays for South Carolina today. And there's just some questions coming into this game that tend to make me believe that this really is a gut check game for South Carolina. You wouldn't have thought that looking at the schedule uh, going into the season, but uh, important for South Carolina to rebound today. And if they can find a way to beat Louisiana Tech today, I don't care if it's by one or 100, you feel like the season is back on track and the Gamecocks at least have a little bit of momentum back going to Texas A&M next week. Yeah, you know, I think that when you look at this game, um, you, you start to learn a little bit about teams when they face some adversity. And, you know, uh, I think Chris and, and Muschamp had, had a good sort of point as well. You know, you can't – you can't blame effort last week. It wasn't effort, I, I don't think. South Carolina just got beat. and But they're going to have to show up and show great effort um, in this game. And, you know, looking at it, I, I think the loss of several of their top guys is, is clearly going to hurt South Carolina. Now, um, you know, you sort of look at the matchup. This Louisiana Tech offense is pretty good. But also look at J. Mar Smith, their quarterback. Looking at his numbers, he's a dual-threat guy. Um, so, obviously, they're going to have to try to keep him in the pocket. But... Um, only completing 51.5% of his passes, so just right over 50%. He has thrown a couple of interceptions this year. Uh, to me, that means there's probably going to be some passes that are errant. There's going to be some opportunities to pick off some passes. Um, you know, if you're South Carolina, maybe they try to lock down a little bit on defense and, and not play quite as much 
sort of bend but don't break as we've seen. But uh, at the same time, if you start trying to play man coverage against these type teams uh, and you don't keep your eyes on the quarterback, then all of a sudden he's uh, off to the races for, you know, for a big gain. So uh, it, it's kind of a little bit of a decision you have to make there. But, uh, you know, they're going to they're gonna spread it out. There's going to be three or four wide receivers on the field, and that presents problems of, of its own. And South Carolina didn't have much depth in the secondary to start with. So uh, I think – not just from a mental standpoint, but also from a matchup standpoint, this won't be an easy game. Certainly, you know, I think we, ex- I expect South Carolina to win, but I-, I don't expect them to blow out Louisiana Tech by any means. Yeah, I, I do think that <laughs> I expect a close game. You know, I really do. I think it's going to be a game that, yeah, I, I would, I would have to pick South Carolina to win, but I think it could be a ball game in which, you know, we're talking about this next week on Monday. Um, and and throughout the rest of the week and wrapping up the game and there's going to be some more frustrations and you know well Louisiana Tech made some yards scored some points South Carolina did this or that on offense I still think it's going to be a fairly close game but the most important thing is just to get a win I mean with with where this program is at I don't think anybody needs to be too upset about a win regardless of how it comes And, and so I do think um, Louisiana Tech's going to present some challenges. I think they're better than than some fans are giving them credit for with what they can do. And so that's going to make it a challenge for USC. Adversity does not build character. It reveals it. And the Gamecocks are dealing with adversity for the first time this year. So we're going to find out a lot about this Gamecock football team today with this 3.30 kickoff against Louisiana Tech. It's on the SEC Network. Wes, you mentioned that you know the crowd's probably not going to be as big. williams Bryce was packed to the gills last Saturday for the Kentucky game, but with the hangover and, you know, some of the, the, the negativity in the wake of the loss to Kentucky, it's probably not going to be packed today. So I don't know if that'll be a factor or not. The bottom line is the Gamecocks have got a job to do today, and if they can get this win, I feel like the season is at least back on track to some degree. And, hey, 3-1 and one is not a bad start. I think most Gamecock fans probably would have been pretty happy with that if I have told you before the season started that the Gamecocks would be 3-1 and one after 4. Most people probably would have said, hey, that's pretty good. We'd take that. Yeah, I think they'd take it, Emerson. I think the, the heartbreaking part for these fans has just been uh, sort of buying into the 2-0 and o start and the opportunity that that presented last week and all that. And, and I'm sure they're, they're tired of me talking about it, but, uh, you know, just the, the missed opportunity that, that last week presented. But like you said, I mean, the season's still very, very young. Uh, they're going to have several opportunities. A lot of people think, you know, maybe South Carolina stole one from NC State. Kentucky got one back. Um, you know, there's going to be lots of opportunities the rest of the way for South Carolina to knock off a team they're not supposed to beat, too, and maybe get one back of their own. So uh, I think rather than being ahead of schedule, that loss sort of moved South Carolina back to being sort of on, you know, kind of the plane a lot of people thought they might be at at this point, um, even the, the more positive people. Because, again, they were underdogs the first two games. I don't think we knew that Missouri was bad at that time, though. So, um, But, but the, big, the big thing, I think, that I take from that Kentucky loss is just really more the loss of personnel, the loss of a Debo Samuel, the loss of a Zach Bailey, some of these other guys that are banged up right now. Uh, to me, that hurts South Carolina uh, just as much, probably more than than the actual loss. All right. Earlier this week here on Gamecock Central Radio, we had a, a podcast with Ben Carlisle from BleedTechBlue.com. He covers Louisiana Tech for our Rivals Network affiliate with the Bulldogs. And if you want more information on Louisiana Tech, you want to find out more about this football team here under head coach Skip Holtz, you can check out the podcast with Ben Carlisle. And right now we're going to check in with 
Ben, for Louisiana Tech's keys to victory, it's a solid La Tech program that's won nine games three years in a row. And Ben Carlisle from BleedTechBlue.com gives us Louisiana Tech's keys to victory today. Just looking at three keys for Louisiana Tech if they want to go into Columbia and win on Saturday afternoon. The number one key is going to be winning the turnover battle. Uh, Louisiana Tech's really struggled with turnovers uh, in the early part of 2017. Uh, quarterback Jamar Smith, just a sophomore, making just his fifth career start on Saturday, but he's had a turnover issue, uh, especially when he runs the football. He has four lost fumbles on the year. Uh, Tech's going to need to win the turnover battle uh, in Columbia on Saturday afternoon if they want a chance to win. Uh, another key to victory for the Bulldogs, uh, they really need to stop the run game with South Carolina. I know South Carolina has had some issues running the ball uh, throughout the early portion of their schedule, uh, but Western Kentucky was the same way a week ago, and uh, Tech, Tech had their issues against Western Kentucky when they really tried to run it at the Tech defensive line. If Tech can slow down uh, the Gamecock rushing attack, I'd uh, give them a pretty good chance to win. And then my final key for the Bulldogs is special teams. Uh, when you look at Jonathan Barnes, uh, his game winner a week ago, he's seven for seven in uh, the last two minutes of the fourth quarter and in overtime throughout his four-year career for the Bulldogs. He's he's a weapon in the place-kicking game. South Carolina, uh, from what I've seen, they've struggled a little bit in the field goal department, so that's a, an advantage that Tech has, and they need to take advantage. And then, like you mentioned, uh, like we've mentioned, Devo Samuel, uh, he'll miss the game for South Carolina, uh, probably the best kick returner in the country. Uh, that's an advantage for Tech, and uh, if Tech can really uh, keep South Carolina's kick return game in, in check, uh, that'll give Tech a, a good good chance to pick up a really big road victory. That's Ben Carlisle from BleedTechBlue.com. Check out the podcast with him that's up on Gamecock Central Radio right now if you want more information on Louisiana Tech football. Right now we'll send it over to Colin Taylor, Gamecock Central staff writer. He's got Gamecock keys to victory today against the Bulldogs. So obviously I think it you know, obviously starts on the uh, – the ground. South Carolina had a rough time trying to get the running game going against Kentucky. I think that's going to be a big thing this week. Um, Louisiana Tech's not that great in terms of pass defense, um, which, you know, to, to set up a good pass, you have to obviously run the ball. I think South Carolina is going to be able to do that. Um, they, they should be able to do that. I think it's going to be huge for them to set up the, the deep ball to maybe Ryan Edwards or Shai Smith or somebody like that. And um, defensively, I'm thinking that they're going to have to stop the run. Uh, Taylor Stallworth said this week that um, they're really going to have to focus on making Louisiana take one-dimensional because if they don't, then they're going to be able to hurt them in multiple ways. Um, so I think the defense is going to be able to load the box, um, play zone coverage on the outside, uh, and then uh, kind of make sure that they don't get those long, explosive plays that Will Muschamp hates on defense. So um, it's a pretty good matchup, I think, for South Carolina. Um, Louisiana Tech's defense is not that great. But I think South Carolina is going to be able to control the uh, – the tempo of the game, be able to kind of do what they want to do offensively, and uh, it's going to work out for them. I think they stopped the run pretty effectively as well and forced them to throw the ball. In that case, they can drop a couple back in coverage and play nickel the entire time, and that's going to help them out a lot. And that's Colin Taylor with Gamecock Keys to Victory today. Gentlemen, an interesting matchup. You know, nine and a half points the Gamecocks are favored by, and you both said that you feel like it's going to be a close game. You know, at this point, I'm not sure the Gamecocks are 10 points better than anybody on the schedule. So, 
it'll be interesting to see how things turn out today. I just feel like it's going to be a tight ball game, and goodness, it could come down to a field goal. <laughs> Parker White will handle place kicking today for the Gamecocks, fellas. The place kicking was a train wreck last week for South Carolina. Yeah, you know, Will Muschamp said after the Kentucky game they'll go with Parker White, as you said, Emerson. And, um, you know, he and Alex Wozniak both in preseason showed that they have the ability, the leg, to hit those kicks. The question was just, you know, can they do it in pressure situations? And, you know, to White's credit, he hit one during the game that was a 49-yarder that they had to move back because of a delay of game. Uh, then he was wide, and then he missed another one wide. So um, he looked like the better option. His kicks looked better in that game, and Wozniak's been shaky. And, you know, fortunately for South Carolina in those first two games, they didn't have to have a, a pressure field goal situation that the game didn't come down to a field goal. Uh, but when they had some that they needed against Kentucky, they weren't able to get them. So, you know, White certainly is capable, but I think that that's going to remain a question mark until they answer it. So we'll have to see, and, and he'll be the one that, that gets to answer the question. Yeah, I think, Chris, that, you know, when you look at the kickers, so so much of that and so much of the successful kickers out there, it, it comes down to the mental side of things as opposed to the physical side. And, uh, you know, I, I sometimes laugh when people – read into body language and stuff like that I don't know how reliable that always is but when I look at the body language of Parker White um, he just looks a bit more comfortable out there to me than Alex Wozniak I've I've heard that there's confidence that the kid can sort of take that job and and be the guy Um, he still has to go out there on the field and do it but I I think Parker White uh, I could be dead wrong I think Parker White's going to surprise us down the stretch I shouldn't say down the stretch, but as the season goes on and and could potentially be a solid kicker for South Carolina. But uh, to your point, Emerson, I mean, that's something they have to clean up, man, because what was it Muschamp said a couple of weeks ago? They expect to be in seven fourth-quarter football games this year. Um, if you're in those type of football games, you have to make most of your kicks or you're probably going to have a lot of fourth quarter losses on your schedule yeah you know scott davis is our columnist here on gamecock central and he had a column earlier this week black hole is the headline if you want to check that out and in that column this week scott said that uh, kicking game is like oxygen you don't really notice it until you really need it or you don't have it (laughs) so the gamecocks uh you know have had such a good kicking game with elliot fry the leading scorer in the history of the program the last four years and this year there were questions about the kicking game coming into the season and didn't really show up. You know, there wasn't much of a need for uh, place kicking, at least in critical situations, uh, in the first two games. But the problems with the kicking game really reared their head against Kentucky. So, right, uh, Parker White gets the job this week, and we'll see what he can do. You know, fellas, you, when you got to get three, you got to get three. You know, field goals are not going to win you games, but you can win games with a field goal in the fourth quarter sometimes. So, I think it's just a matter of getting confidence for whoever the kicker is. Maybe Parker White does a better job. Maybe he's better prepared to step in and do the job right now. To me, it's just a matter of getting these guys on the field and allowing them to get some confidence. And once they do that, I think uh, both these guys can get the job done. But right now, you know, they're they're still unproven, and that's that's a big question for South Carolina coming into this game. Emerson, and, and maybe also, you know, let them, especially Parker White, give him a shot to attempt some some easier kicks, you know, I mean, but both the Parker whites were, were long field goals. And, um, I I think that's something where you even start to look at as far as adjusting as the year goes on. If you're at the 35 yard line, um, unless it's the end of a half, which obviously one of South Carolina's was, 
I mean, you, you may be starting to think about, okay, we're, we're not going to attempt field goals for, from that far. You either are, are going to just go for it or try to pin them deep because, uh, you know, that's something South Carolina has had success defensively and special teams-wise uh, with that combination of pinning a team deep, getting a three and out, and getting the ball right back because teams get so conservative when they're backed up on their own goal line. Or, you know, sort of the more aggressive Steve Spurrier style, if you're at the 35-yard line, uh, keep your offense on the field and go for it. I, I think last year, a, a bit spoiled by Elliott Fry's ability to knock those down. Uh, maybe they have to adjust a bit on those decisions as the as the season goes on. Well, fellas, I'm not betting on today's game. South Carolina, nine-and-a-half-point favorite, but I would be willing to bet that we will not have plumbing problems in the restrooms today and there will not be long lines for water at the concession stand. Anybody want to bet on that? Uh, <laughs> I, I, know, I know Ray Tanner is – Hoping that your bet is correct, Emerson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought Ray, uh, in the letter that he issued to the fans addressing some of the game day problems last week, exactly what I expected from Ray. He got out in front of that, and he addressed it immediately and uh, provided that there are, are no lingering problems from last week. I don't think we'll hear about these things anymore. So just a strange day last Saturday at Williams-Brice. Didn't turn out the way Gamecock fans would have liked, so the Gamecocks' character will be revealed today against Louisiana Tech. Chance to go to 3-1 and one and to get some momentum back before the Gamecocks head on the road to Texas A&M next Saturday. We know that'll be a tough ball game. Fellas, really an important game today for the Gamecocks. There's no getting around it. You don't look at Louisiana Tech as a, you know, a big game going into the season, but the way things have worked out right now with the way the Kentucky game went last week, the Gamecocks have got to have this one today. Yeah, I, and guys, not to be, not to be cliche, but – uh, the biggest game of the year for the Gamecocks, uh, very easily at this point. <laughs> yeah, if there's the, the the label you throw around about a must win, I think this would be a must win because you, you know the, the, a loss here would not be good. You know, then then you 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 go to two and two, and it's not a conference game, no, but it's a second straight home loss, and it, it would really be a deflator to morale around the program because the Kentucky loss was too, and so this is one they need to use to get back on track. Yeah, a lot of folks last week talking about was the Kentucky game a must win. If you thought last week was a must win, let's talk about this week against Louisiana Tech. We got a 3.30 kickoff today at Williams-Brice. The game's on the SEC Network, Gamecock Central Game Day podcast. Emerson Phillips with Chris Clark and Wes Mitchell. Chris, Wes, we appreciate you joining us today. Enjoy the ball game, fellas. Sounds good, man. Thanks for having us. All right, Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell joining me on here on the Gamecock Central Game Day podcast. We'll do it again next Saturday. Thanks for being with us on Gamecock Central Radio.